Martin Scorsese gets death threats, the second movie in a 15-strong movie series, and the least exciting Star Wars of all time this week on 30-20-10. Welcome everybody to 302010, your weekly look back in time 30, 20, and 10 years ago. This week we'll, we will be this week we'll this week we will be taking a look at August 10th through the 16th, 1988, 1998, and 2008. Where were you? We're gonna tell you what came out in movies, TV, news, video games, and more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. It's the last temptation of Diana Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah, Golden Receiver. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> We've referenced this series twice. I hope you've guessed what it is. Uh, but yes, 302010, uh, we have a bunch of fun stuff to look forward to here. Some of the best, worst movies ever. Some of the most yeah. controversial movies ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I could not believe how things were lining up when it comes to especially <laughs> good bad movies yeah and, and the and i swear to christ i mean it this week the dullest fucking week in video games and television you've mm. ever 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 heard from 30 2010 you're too busy with all those movies there's so many i guess so it's yeah true. like it's each true. week has like like half a dozen big releases that you're you more than likely saw so stick with us anyway beginning as we always do in 1988 we're gonna start with august 10th through the 16th I don't know. Was there any news this week? Yeah, actually, there was. Uh, I remember last week in 98, we had the U.S. Embassy bombings in Africa. And I guess that Holy was to shit. celebrate their anniversary because 10 years earlier, August 11th, 1988, Osama bin Laden formed Al-Qaeda. Oh, really? Man. Just a wing and a prayer. Oof. Yeah. In an He's abandoned McDonald land. <laughs> just a bearded upstart. He knew he could do it. He focused. Way to go, Osama bin Laden. Started yeah. from the bottom, and now he's again at the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. There's a lot of weird reverse bookends in this episode yeah, to some of the other stuff true. that we've been talking about. It, it, it Even I had to like double check that I was doing the research right. But uh, welcome, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> sure. Um, but let's <laughs> move into something. Well, this first movie is not going to be that inspiring. Movies of 1988, August 10th through the 16th. Clean and Sober with Michael Keaton, Morgan Freeman, and uh, Kathy Baker. Yeah. So I tried to find a good clip from a trailer, and it was a little too visual, but Michael Keaton's got uh, a drinking problem, and then he goes to rehab. You want to get drunk? Let's get drunk! (laughs) Exactly. That's the problem. When he acts out, he goes Beetlejuice, and it's supposed to be dramatic. This is him taking a dramatic spin, heading into We got Batman, I think, is his next movie. Right. And this is like sandwich in between Mr. Mom. Yeah, Batman. He, this right. is his first dramatic role, mm. and he actually got Batman because of this film. No shit. Yeah, when the producer wow. saw him in this and was like, you know what? I think this guy could be a superhero. I would have settled for Beetlejuice, but that's fine. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this this movie, like in a lot of rehabs and AAs, you mm-hmm. can find this film like mm-hmm. available to, yeah. to view. I mean, there's um, kind of a dearth of AA movies out there that accurately portray what actually goes on in recovery and how hmm. difficult and often tedious and uninspiring it generally is. Richard um, Lewis's Drunks comes to mind. I think that, I'm serious. I, I think it's like, one. it's not on DVD, but it's like readily available at AAs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only other one I could think of off the top of my head is 28 Days mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. not the zombie Sandra movie. Bullock. Yeah, with Sandra Bullock. Is that what that... She's in rehab? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. I had no idea. That's the deal with that. That's but, so much less interesting than zombies. Uh, agreed. Um, but yeah, no, it's a good... If you're interested in that subject matter, it's a pretty 
um, accurate take, I think, for sure. <laughs> and well, the, the next movie I have somehow seen a thousand times. I, I don't know. I don't know why. Never in full. But uh, Lloyd Bridges, Martin Landau, Joan Allen, and Jeff Bridges in a <laughs> movie that seems like it's titled Three Decades Too Late, mm. Tucker, A Man in His Dream. Jeff Bridges is Preston Tucker. In 1946, he built a car so revolutionary, it had to be stopped. To make the car too good. Enough right now to cost millions just to keep up with them. You don't understand how powerful the forces are that are working against us here. Now we are going to fill that car. Exactly the worst we wanted. He is dead. Tucker, the true story of a man and his dream. It's a Lucasfilm movie directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Whoa. He's he's coming off of Peggy Sue Got Married, which was a big That's hit. So, and so weird. He's making another period film, uh, which is a true story. And all the research I did says, yeah, they got most of it right. It's just, you know, they got to compress time and stuff about this guy who's an uh, engineer and designer basically tries to start a car company and how oh the evil gm and ford and everything they try to stop him but you could also look at it as like well he could have been something of a con artist if it didn't actually work mm-hmm. i mean yeah we're all driving tuckers now thank sure. god he persisted well <laughs> mo- most of the tuckers survived they made 50 and mm-hmm. like 47 of them are still around wow but I mean, the, the, his big innovations were things like we should have a padded dashboard and seatbelts should not be optional. <laughs> and I guess that's one of the things that, you know, the big three hated about him is the idea. Well, he's saying that cars aren't safe. It's like, well, uh, they're like four. At that time, they were like four tons of steel and they didn't have power steering. And you could literally get impaled on the dash uh, on the, the steering column. And uh, yeah, they got three miles to the gallon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And they were uh, death traps in water. And uh, Jesus Christ, this movie is just so fucking earnest. Yeah, it looks like a movie they would show you in school. That's what it seems like. Yeah, which I don't know how I missed out on this one. And I actually tried to track it down to Mm. watch in preparation, Mm. and I could not find it anywhere. There's a couple of, like, rips on um, YouTube, and it's not good. Like, I I couldn't even watch it. I think think it's filed in with, like, Sam and Max and the thing, like, Disney forgets they own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. the Lucasfilm yeah, acquisition. As part of the Lucasfilm. Yeah, it just sort of disappeared and it was, you know, well regarded at the time. Martin Landau gets his first Oscar nomination off of it. Wow. Um, it's really well made. I mean, it's I Coppola apparently said he wanted to make a Frank Capra movie, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's about a dreamer and everyone and they support, but oh no problems, and we're gonna overcome the problems and yeah, I guess the weirdest thing for me is having Lloyd Bridges play someone who's not Jeff Bridges' dad. <laughs> and it's like they're having this dramatic scene. Lloyd Bridges is like, I'm going to stop you. And it's like, dude, you guys look the same. <laughs> I'm always a little unsettled, too, to watch a Joan Allen movie wherein her hair is long. She's just a short hair actress to me, contender style, and I don't like it when she's got long hair. Contender, Jesus Christ. I like that movie. I've I do that too, but the only line times. I remember from it is like when she describes at the end what she did with a dick. <laughs> and Jeff Bridges is in that. And Jeff there Bridges you go. is in it, swatting hey. the dick to the ground. Um, Jesus, but yeah, Tucker, I don't know. I It feels like kind of what Quentin Tarantino does with exploitation genres, but for a genre nobody wanted to revisit in 1988. It's yeah. this super it's sweet and sincere movie. Super sweet and sincere and caring and loving and about working hard and trying to achieve your dreams and then the man comes and smashes you. Are we, you know, the typical American story. Sure. Yeah. 
we failed the season, but we won the game. Yeah, like well, it's, it's a fucking natural <laughs> music behind yes. it. I was going to ask, wow, perfect. that sounds really familiar. All right, if we want to segue with uh, music, let's talk great soundtracks. We mentioned yes. them in Wally, yeah. but uh, Peter Gabriel rises to the occasion uh, in The Last Temptation of Christ, holy shit, starring Willem Dafoe, Barbara Hershey, Harvey Keitel, Harry Dean Stanton, and David Bowie. Martin Scorsese brings us a startling vision. An extraordinary story. The Last Temptation of Christ. I I feel like he intentionally... Martin Scorsese movies at this point were actually controversial. Yeah. They're too violent. They can't. He can't keep making films like this. He's changing Hollywood, and then he goes and makes a revisionist history Jesus movie, uh, and like people lost their fucking minds. One that was. I, I think like, it's easy to say this is one of the most controversial films ever. Definitely mm. oh. of the eighties, people went nuts. He had a Christian fatwa on his head, like basically, <laughs> yes. which we'll be talking about fatwas later this year. But yeah, I mean, there was a... Two more for each eyebrow. <laughs> a, Catholic, a Catholic group in France set off a bomb in a theater where they were showing this. That's how like mad they were. Unoccupied, I would hope. Nope. Oh my God, really? Oh, Jesus. Jesus tits. Yeah, people got really injured. It was yeah. crazy. So here's why they're upset. So The Last Temptation of Christ is based on the novel by Nikos Kazantzakis, who wrote Zorba the Greek, and it's uh, adapted by Paul Schrader. So this is the taxi driver follow-up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a revisionist look at Jesus, focusing on Jesus the man. Yeah, but it's like it's just so it's so fucking torn by being you know being divine, but a human. He's just a regular guy. Yeah, the real deviation, what people are really mad about, is so clearly just a a like, hey, what if? And then we'll jump back to the real story and like, Mm -hmm. can you fucking relax? Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, no one's invalidating your story. Yeah, there's two two big complaints. One is there's a point where he calls himself a sinner, and Jesus obviously had no sin. Because mm-hmm. wait a so minute, I thought perfect. he I thought he ate all of our sins. I could be right. paraphrasing. He took all his sins on us, but I mean, maybe he's making maybe. I mean, you can't say he's not telling the truth because he wouldn't lie because he's without sin. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe he's making a point about his human half. Yeah, I mean, but I, then then there's the last temptation sequence, which is the like the back forty five of the movie, and. That's where people really went crazy because we get to see Jesus fuck. (laughs) Yes, there is that. But it's like a fucking Marvel nerd. I loved what if comics. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what if Mr. (laughs) Fantastic never met Invisible Girl? Uh, Here's what the Fantastic Four would look like. I thought this was really cool, even at the time. I've since stopped watching this because it's just not a very fun watch. No, no, Um, no. And again, I feel like Martin Scorsese was being controversial on purpose. Like he kind of he kind of couldn't do it through violence, and he was trying to tackle it something controversial in a different way. Well, this was definitely an idea that he had had c- kicking around for yeah. a while as a kid. I mean, he talks about even as a child, he thought a lot about like Jesus as a human, and I mean, as a recovering Catholic myself, like if you grow up very religious and very Catholic, like. Yeah, you do kind of obsess about these religious mysteries that are taught to you since before you can talk and really form your own thoughts. And so the idea of a divine and human... Flawless beardo. Immaculately (laughs) conceived, you know, peacemonger, basically, is like kind of something you obsess about as a kid and really gets under your skin. And I can see why, you know, this came to fruition the way that it did. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate I, it. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm glad it exists because I do really like the soundtrack. Um. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. I mean, I, I and I'm I'm a Jew, and I find this movie really moving. It made me think about Jesus in a different way. Um, and yeah, so the the internal struggle, and also they get into some of the politics of the time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what what was going on, and and why would the world be set up for someone like Jesus to spark such a, a huge religion, and. I mean, I find it a very Christian movie. I yeah. don't find it. I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm not offended because I'm I'm a big old Jew. But I I could see it having like a real impact on people. Like this is the first movie I saw that has uh, the crucifixion is Jesus's idea. His betrayal by Judas. He mm. tells mm-hmm. Judas, "Go betray me." Pretty yeah. much, I have to die. This is how it's going to have to go. And Judas is like, "I really don't want to. Why are you making me do this?" Who is also like, Harvey Keitel? I'm not going to yeah, betray he's you. He's got yeah. a bit of an accent, too. He's and just he's sort of like he's from the streets. <laughs> he's a redhead in the desert. He's not having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think that if so many Catholics especially are so reactionary when it, any sort of pop culture messes with any, any religious narrative, um, it's kind of a shame, to be honest, because I do think that viewing Jesus in his human light, which is part of dogma that he was human as well as divine would make him a more relatable guy for you to look at. Well, that's, that's a big thing that I really related to that. I think all people can relate to Mm those like wanting and trying to do good and be a good person, but feeling pulled in different directions. Mm -hmm. Of course, Jesus would feel that. And all of us feel that. Mm -hmm. And that's, and if it's been a while for me, but like he's crucified and then eventually he like, where does the where does the break come from where he like envisions his life in a uh, different way? Yeah, that comes. He's I mean, it's it's the straight story through and to the crucifixion. Um, David Bowie's Pontius Pilate, by the way. Yes, uh, awesome, pretty awesome <laughs> casting. He's so calm and like, well, we've got a spot for you on Golgotha, and you're gonna die now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he's when he's crucified, an angel, little child, comes to him in a vision. Like time stops, and this vision starts of like your father has seen your suffering. You don't have to die. It'll be like you died, but come with me and you can have a, a human life. And so he goes off and he marries Mary Magdalene. And but then she dies. And then he he ends up with like two sisters, basically. Mary uh, and Martha. Of, yeah, Mary Martha, sisters of Lazarus mm-hmm. and gets to live a full human life and die like of old age. And then more spoilers. It turns out. Oh, wait, that is the last temptation mm-hmm. to be a normal human. That wasn't an angel. That was a devil. Right. To be a and real so now boy. He's, yeah, just to be a normal schmuck who just gets to be without the burdens of the world's sins on him. And then he he rejects that. And then he does die for our sins. And so it's a pro-Christian ending. That's, yeah. I thought that that's that's was my takeaway, that it wasn't his life that flashed before his eyes with the life he could have had mm-hmm. that flashed right. before his eyes right before he made the ultimate sacrifice and did the Jesus thing and could then spend the rest of his life pissing on Chevy logos. I'm confusing Jesus with Calvin again. Oh. It's just I see them I see them so <laughs> you know, many of the same places. It's easy to happen because it's usually <laughs> on both sides of a pickup truck. There's uh, one and then the other, so I can see how you can make that. Yeah, there's, a, there's about as much reading material with both, but <laughs> yeah, not knocking either. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I really, I never understood. Yeah, so I never understood I think it. A lot of it. I mean, as usual, it, church groups get crazy because they heard something, but they haven't seen mm-hmm. it. Right. And they don't even have yeah. the internet. They're purple monkey dishwashering this thing, like in church groups, making up elaborate things that aren't actually happening in the film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
And uh, it, I love that you got this. Do you have a little clip of the um, a little clip of the controversy? Yeah. So there's a whole Oprah episode about it, and I managed to find it online. We got her her lead-in about the controversy uh, about the controversy. You know, I think explains it pretty well. But then she's got basically two uh, reverends who love the movie and think everyone should see it, and Daniel freaking Wildman from Focus on the Family or whoever who's yeah. like really like super, two guys that are like super offended and they want to stop universal student. They're so mad. But then I can't believe that I'm saying this, that 30 years ago, the Christian right was so much more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? The freaking guy from focus on the family who are as right wing conservative socially as they get literally says, I don't want this movie banned. I just don't think anyone should see it. And I think we should boycott the makers of it. See, that's fine. I couldn't Reasonable. believe it. That's fine. You're free to do that <laughs> but, all the time. I think we should I'm start like, a Twitter yes, campaign I, and get Disney to fire Jesus. And <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but oh, Oprah's breakdown of the controversy and, and the protests is pretty good. Oh, wonderful. The Last Temptation of Christ was released over the weekend. This movie has provoked more controversy than any other film to come out of Hollywood in decades. Christians outraged by the movie's depiction of Christ are boycotting the film and picketing theaters in New York and Chicago. In Los Angeles, a mock crucifixion was staged to persuade movie executives to cancel the film. On Friday, thousands of Christians took the day off, marched through the streets to Universal Studios in one last effort to stop the movie from being released. Making a good profit. (laughs) Nice editing, Oprah. Yeah, very well-timed. Straight to Willem Dafoe, who I will say is the ugliest jesus i have ever seen but uh <laughs> he's not Logan great Poe. uh no no he's fine in the movie but i think he, yeah oh, he no was, he's great he in was the movie. a stand-in yeah, wasn't yeah. he like there was someone else was supposed to play him because like aiden this, quinn yeah this was supposed to be aiden quinn yeah this was supposed to be a paramount movie they backed off well, like pontius pilot was oh. supposed to be sting <laughs> oh too busy yeah. doing i don't know mm. probably Pro- having sex for in the a middle hours. of tantric sex yeah. throughout the entire production <laughs> uh yeah just now I really want to watch this again, for God's sake. I don't remember it being like something I would recommend everybody to see, but now this controversy makes me mad all over again. Mm-hmm. Every time the fucking Christians do this, the movie ends up being awesome. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Every time. Yep. You're right, I think. Every time. It worked with Dogma, and it worked with Life of Brian. So, like, yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. we... I actually, I know way too much about this movie. I'm trying to hold back I'm because not... I wrote one of my giant film school papers about uh, non-traditional representations of Jesus and Last Temptation and Life of Brian were two of the movies I focused on. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, one, again, one of my favorite clips on the internet is Michael Palin losing his shit on someone who keeps saying Life of Brian is about Jesus. And like, <laughs> dude, it's not about Jesus. Jesus is in the fucking movie. Quit saying that. Like, <laughs> it's a different guy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I don't follow know. the gourd. <laughs> um... Do you find something funny when I say the name Biggest Dickus? This is not from Last Station of, of Christ. I should not start quoting Life of Brian lines. We'll be here oh, all day. It's so tempting. I mean, they're both they're both banned in Ireland. So there still, you go. no, I don't think anymore. But they yeah. were. <laughs> Remember when yeah, people there were literally? Movies? I think there were three movies banned in Ireland up until pretty recently, and two of them are directed by Terry Jones. They they banned really? Monty Python and Meaning of Life too because of the Every Sperm is Sacred. Oh number. my. Oh, well, that does track. They just legalized abortion, so. That's that's true. Well, we're about to do the opposite. Hard pivot. All right. You know who else died for our sins? Who's that? But then he was reborn by Coca-Cola and McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) I 
Literally, Sarah can vouch for me. I we were like on a break a couple weeks ago, and I started scrolling through. Oh, what's coming up in the next couple of shows? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh wow, Last Temptation of Christ. And then after that, we'll talk about. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I did. I uh, one of the vouch. worst movies ever made. I have to think this was like brilliant counter programming. People who want to go to the movies every Friday and just lose a couple minutes. Didn't want to go see Last Temptation of Christ. I was brought to this movie with like no knowledge of what it was. Hmm. And uh, but just because, well, mostly because everyone loved E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> can we hear a little bit of the trailer of oh, Mac and Me, people? Mac and Me. <laughs> if you think there's a shortage of family fare on video, nope. never fear, because Mac and Me is here. When an alien family takes an unexpected trip to Earth, little Mac is all alone until he finds a new family. It's Eric's friend, Ma, the one he's been trying to tell us about. They caught him in a vacuum cleaner. The government wants to capture Mac. It's here. So it's up to Eric to save his little alien buddy. This is this is the best way I can describe this movie. <laughs> and someone probably has already said it. Is a reverse engineered E.T. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like... They made a list of all the things that E.T. got out of its success mm-hmm. and tried to make a movie backwards. Mm. And like this movie is just deliberately terrible... And so much fun to watch. It, it, it is. It's a pretty it's, looking movie. Okay. Yeah. But it okay. wants to be ET so bad. It's shot in like almost like like a block away. Uh, that one of the best <laughs> things about it, if you can look up the compilation of Paul Rudd's appearances on Conan, <laughs> where he throws to his clip, and every time it's the kid in the wheelchair flying over the cliff, <laughs> Mac and me. It's it's been that way for twelve. I think he's been doing it for almost twenty years that's to Conan. Amazing. Uh, but that's what that that's what that's. This is from that movie. Okay. The aliens look they made they put no thought into the story. They put no thought into the aliens because they look fucking dumb. So dumb. The whole time. Ugh. And uh it's a I yes. don't even know how to describe them. I mean, besides they they've got like kind of oh sex doll mouths. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would describe and... them as fetus looking yeah yes oh yeah okay they're like fetuses but their mouth are are constantly caught in the same position as like a construction worker whistling at a woman yeah and like it's true (laughs) but it looks like also the people who made this movie were like i don't know what made et successful the shape of his fingers because it's like they they have the same i mean i think it was a a cynical executive that read man you see what et did in reese's pieces you think we could get a bunch of sponsors involved and make our own et give it a shot and it's fucking Crazy. The amount of time and I think Coke is on screen longer than Michael Keaton in Beetlejuice. And 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 then there's a there's a scene. This is the, the most infamous scene is the one in the McDonald's, which to me, who's now nostalgic for a time when like McDonald's was a place you would have your birthday parties. I have to explain yeah. that to kids these days. I don't even know why we did that. It's crazy, but and, I definitely have vivid memories of that. Looking for one of these clips this week, I found this this giant promo for like Oh, it's all the McDonaldland characters. I gotta watch and see what this is. And it's the McDonaldland characters introducing their clothing line to Sears all around the world. Like that's how big. <laughs> okay, that, I, I, wow. Getting, it, it's just crazy how ubiquitous and how like comfortable we all were with McDonald's. But there's this: the alien enters in a teddy bear outfit, and then there is a giant breakdance sequence, kind of emceed by the real Ronald McDonald. And I remember seeing this. I'm like seven, eight, and like. The real Ron McDonald just show up to your fucking birthday party? Does that really happen? In this movie, it does. Mm. And it's it's just one of the most ridiculous product placement scenes. Like, I cannot uh. believe no one said, like, let's pull this back a little bit. This is like seven minutes. Yeah, We can't be in a yeah. McDonald's the whole time. Yeah, and it goes beyond that. I mean, you can hear that that ad we just played is for the video release. Mm-hmm. 
I found the original trailer, and the Ooh. original trailer is it has all the pretty much the same stuff. But it opens with Ronald McDonald talking to yes. you about this movie. Yes, it does. Oh my god! <laughs> Hi, kids. It's me, Ronald McDonald, and I'm on the set of my very first motion picture ever. It's a movie called Mac and Me, and it stars my little friend from outer space here. His name is Mac, and I want to introduce you to him. Mac? Anybody seen Mac? Where'd he go? Aging Ronald McDonald. Listen, I've got to go now. You're wanted in makeup. <laughs> makeup? Me? Oh, Jesus. Oh, that freaks me out a little bit. I, I remember seeing me. this trailer in theaters, and I'm like, there's a McDonald's movie? Cool! It's <laughs> I, called Mac. It's called Mac and, and Me. Yeah. yeah. I just Max. And I, Big the, ones. It's to me. I, <laughs> I remember not liking this movie at a time at, at a time when I was very undiscerning. Mm-hmm. Most people, most kids my age, were making fun of it back then. So mm. that's it, it, that's pretty bad. And um, and, and it even ends horribly with a te- uh, with a tease for a sequel, as the little Mac blows a bubble with bubble gum that says "We'll be back." Oh my god! And the very last sequence. Also, by the way, all of the alien family become American citizens, and I think we know. At least forty percent of the country is going to have a huge problem with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> At this point, I don't think that would actually happen. But this movie is so fucking bizarre. I won an immaculate double-sided one sheet for this, and it's somewhere. I kn- I'm pretty sure it made the move. It's it's here somewhere. I have a, ma- a, a m- immaculate Mac and Me poster. <laughs> Mac and Me, I, dude. Which one do you watch this week? Mac and Me or Last Temptation of Christ? Uh. Man, do Mac it really? Mac and Me is a lot of fun with a couple beers and a couple of friends totally. yelling at it. That, what a masochistic double feature. Let us know if you do it in the <laughs> comments. Oh my God, but there's, we're still not even done. Like the, this, that's not, None of those are number one at the box office this week. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely didn't see this till much, much later. I, Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, Lou Diamond Phillips, Dermot Mulroney, and Casey Sismisco in Young Guns. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Why did I say it? <laughs> I'm really not liking him. Kiefer Sutherland. Doc likes me. I can't stand him. Blue Diamond Phillips. Glad I know. LVP! <laughs> Charlie Sheen. We're gonna go out in the yard and see who has the right to run this group of regulators. That's the gravy place. Ain't easy having pals. <laughs> They're the best. Young Guns. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 12th at... It's so it's so bizarre that like I think Emilio Estevez was kind of the big lead in this, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. And, and if we were, you've been listening to Thirty Twenty Ten for a while, we were here for Charlie Sheen's introduction in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, just mm-hmm. like l- less than two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's in a movie, this brother finally. Uh, I yeah. don't another movie with with relatives playing not relatives, but they don't look <laughs> as much alike. That's true. It's true. They don't even have the same last name. Yeah. Um, but if we would, it didn't have this movie, we wouldn't have the opening to Regulators, a great song by Warren G. and mm. Nate Dogg. True. Uh, but I, I never revisited this one. For some reason, the TV only played the second one over and over again. That's well, the one I've seen the most. It's got that Bitch and Bon Jovi song. It's true. Because that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's not in this one. one. Wanted Dead or Alive is from the second film. Oh, yeah. seriously? Yeah. That's, oh, wow. It was like introduced on this soundtrack. There you you go, see the video. Okay. There's a bunch of Young Guns footage sure. in that video. Yeah, I don't know. I watched this movie uh, for research because I was not exposed to it early on, and I don't. You sent really, me a like, text and like, uh, that was kind of a boy movie. I'm like, you shouldn't have done this. Why I'm, <laughs> I'm nothing if not thorough, and yeah. Any, anybody who cares about Young Guns isn't listening to podcasts. Period. <laughs> the first mm-hmm. half I enjoyed as someone who does not enjoy. 
Westerns very mm-hmm. much because everyone's so dusty. <laughs> it just, I don't like it. <laughs> but I enjoyed the first half. The second half, I was like, okay, enough already. It's, it's interesting yeah. that the concept tiresome. worked here, a Brat Pack Western. Mm-hmm. Because they try this every generation with a new fleet of actors and it almost never works. A new Western? A new Western with mm-hmm. with a new mm-hmm. young group of kids. Yeah. It, it almost never works. But this this... People loved Young Guns. Yeah. No, yeah. I've definitely no, was, heard people talk it, about it. It was popular at the time. I actually, I do love Westerns, and I, and this, I thought, was not very good um, for a lot of reasons. The score is so 80s. <laughs> it is. It's just so, so distracting. Um and this also has a movie. It's, you know, it's, every time I, I see a movie I don't like, I try to find the one thing I loved about it. There is a scene where Kiefer Sutherland's Canadian accent comes out. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he says, look, I'm sorry, Billy. And I'm like, yeah. Sorry, Billy. Oh. Uh, yeah, we got more Kiefer coming up, too. But, yeah, I I mean, like, I like that. Okay, so Emilio Estevez plays Billy the Kid. And I like that he they play him as kind of a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really just impulsively killing people whenever he feels like it. Yeah. But they also try to make him really lovable. And then there's a scene where they all take drugs and go on a spirit quest. It's yeah. super embarrassing. <laughs> that's yeah, right. That's not great. Oh my God. I, I don't know. Mm. This is still like the last movie of this crop that I would rewatch for some reason, even though it was mm. number one this week. There's it, I, way better Westerns from around this time. Yeah, I remember watching it and like, not like be like, this isn't a Western. It's, it's, this is all happening in Texas right now, right? I, like, I, did, I don't even mm. think of it as a Western because it just doesn't have that flavor. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. Everything's yeah. tan. I mean, Westerns were me. pretty dead at this point, so it was kind of ballsy to try to make one, mm-hmm. and we, they started to come back in the 90s. We had a couple, but... I like just, the concept. I think mm. the concept is good. It just is not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but it's not. Uh, we'll put that in the back of the box. You know, in two years when we get to Young Guns 2, I'm, I'm very curious to compare because this is just sort of, eh. Well, speaking of Westerns, TV sucks. <laughs> TV <laughs> sucks so much ass. Uh, but I went down the rabbit hole to find you yeah. uh, on August 12th, how, a Bugs, how Bugs Bunny Won the West. Okay. A 1978. Okay, look, we we all know I'm a big classic animation sure. fan, right? I made I hated these at the time. They they even have theatrical releases that are like this of repackaging of old Looney Tunes shorts with ooh new interstitial animation uh, or an introduction or somehow tries to make it one coherent story. It reminds me of when like I would get a sticker book and I'd put them on pages and try and write a story around like whatever mm, stickers mm-hmm. I'd been uh, given. Gotcha. Yep. It just, it mm. doesn't work. It's kind of unsatisfying. However, it does usually hold usually the last Mel Blanc voices for these characters. And I think that that in and of itself is interesting, but Bugs has no shortage of Western theme cartoons. Why not put them in a package and air it in primetime television? I miss that. There's not, these cartoons aren't really on the air anymore. So I thought, why not mention it in a week where nothing else happens other than wall-to-wall coverage of the Republican Con- National Ooh. Convention on every channel. Ooh. As of <laughs> They cover the Democratic Convention, too. Also but it, gross. <laughs> but it's literally every channel. There is no escape. Yeah. There's no escape other than, you know, on August 12th. Bugs Bunny, How the West Was Won. I want to see if Diana can explain anything about the guest star here. <laughs> Bugs Bunny won the West. Starring Bugs Bunny. 
Yosemite Sam, Daffy Duck, and Porky Pig. With special guest star, Denver Pyle. <laughs> who? I don't Denver know. Pyle? I don't know who Denver Pyle is. I thought Denver a mixture of, of Gomer Pyle and Bob Denver. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, this is an actual guy. And it's like, um, this no, is... he was. Uh, oh, he was Uncle Jesse on Dukes of Hazard. Oh, okay. okay. Looks like Bugs is in a whole mess of trouble, <laughs> and that's pretty much how it goes. This is so tertiary and unnecessary. Like uh, you've heard me say a thousand times before, Bozo the Clown or Krusty was invented to basically stitch together old Looney Tunes, mm, okay. and that's all he's doing here. But in in front of an old timey saloon. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that something? Well, here we are, smack dab in the middle of a movie about the wild and woolly west. Now, uh, I know you all got your own favorite western heroes. Well, I got mine too. It's a rat. That's right, a rat. And this here's the true story of how the west was won by that rat. (sighs) This is so unnecessary. Like, just play Yosemite Sam cartoons. Mm-hmm. It's that yes. easy. You'll win the night. It'll be great. And of course, once he, he narrates over the cartoons, oh, and that kind of hurts on. a little bit. Uh, that hurts it a tiny little bit, but it's not much. I, but right now, I would like a call to like, I would love every single one of these. Every single 1940s cartoon theatrical package made throughout the 70s and 80s. If you know where to find them all, please tell me, because this was not easy to find. (laughs) Nobody cares about this. It's not even new. It's from 1978. I'm using this as an excuse to talk about Bugs Bunny, because that's it for TV. There's no more TV this week. Uh, We can jump directly in to all of our favorite band as we cover the music of 1988, August 10th to the 16th. New release by Winger. Yeah. Good on you, Stuart. Their self-titled debut uh, is, is out right now. Leprosy by Death. Um, short, sharp, shocked by Michelle Shocked. The, eighth, eight, the eight-legged groove machine by The Wonder Stuff. And Soul Searching by Glenn Frey. Fry. Fry. That's Glenn I, Fry. I know. It's just like all I can think of when that dude died. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about him. But Will Ferrell made a sketch where, like, Glenn Fry just rapes Ben Stiller for, like, the entire sketch. Oh, God. It's, and it's, it's funnier than it sounds. Sure. But it's, like, it's the only context I had for this man who lived a life in music. Yeah, uh, he was an eagle. No, but I don't like the eagles. Um, oh, my God. Sorry. I'm all over the place. Um, Roll With It by Steve Winwood is still number one. Uh, but Hands to Heaven by Breathe is number two. So let's go out with that. People, sit right there, because we need to talk in 
Dude. Ursher. Dude, Ursher. Mr. Bieber. Ur my gird. My way by Usher, which is number two in the charts this week because the boys. <laughs> I was hoping Usher at least could take down Brandy and Monica. Nope. And the boys' mind. No, can't do anything. Oh, shit. An album I actually owned. New releases, uh, Severe Tire Damage by They Might Be Giants. That's a live album, but has uh, four songs, Beneath, Conquest, uh, Escape, <laughs> and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Those are for some. Those are, those are 30 second songs about those movies. That's fun. Um, yeah, and uh, White Chocolate Space Egg by Liz Fair is I out. I had that. You did? Yeah, that's one of the ones I have. Is that her when she went pop? No. For a second? Okay. No, that's not till later. Uh, massive grooves from the electric church of psycho funkadelic grungalism rock music. Did I get that by Poundhound? Whoa. Look at me go. You did. Um, Good job. The Key by Vince Gill. Jennifer Page's self-titled debut. The Element of Surprise by E-40. And You Think You Know What Life's About by Dish. <laughs> Wait, is this counting blue cars? Yeah. Tell me all your thoughts on God. Because I'd really like to meet her. Ooh, God, I can't stand it. Ooh, I gotcha. I I realized I did not remember counting blue cars the dishwalla hit, and I listened to it, and I'm like, this is the most generic piece of crap I've ever heard. (laughs) It's terrible. Yes, it is. It was awful. It's everything wrong with that era of music. Oh, God, yeah. Ugh. It made me want to listen to Breakfast of Tiffany's. Like, yes. I'll, I'll take that song. It just anyway. thinks it's much more clever than it actually is. <laughs> um, well, we're in 1998, people. August 10th through the 16th. That was not clear. To make it even more clear, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Still number one at the box office. Uh, but not Lulu on the bridge. Uh, Harvey Keitel, Mir Servino, <laughs> and Vanessa Redgrave. Um, this is not especially well-regarded. Uh, about a saxophone player who was shot, and then he f- maybe defines love. Okay. <laughs> you could just make a movie out of that? <laughs> God, I feel, ah. feel so old. Okay. Now, this movie I can get behind. Yeah, I didn't want to go into this because there's so many more things to talk about. So, I mean, this movie is my... Obviously, <laughs> this movie. Starting August 14th, football will <laughs> never be the same. What's his position? Tailback, I guess. But they got his prize! Kids. But touchdown! Airbud, golden receiver. Oh, Airbud, golden receiver, baby. The sequel to. There's nothing in the rule book that says they can't do it. Does this mean I get to rattle off the whole Airbud series? Do it. Please do. Because not unlike uh, Fast and the Furious. Wait, go ahead and do that. I'm going to go upstairs. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Grab a I, drink. Said, I said 15. They're up to 19 films. <gasps> Disney has gone out of control with the Airbud series because the, 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 the title gets purple, purple Monkey Dishwasher that you don't even see where it transitions. Mm. Uh, Airbud. Airbud 2, Golden Receiver. Airbud World Pup, the soccer movie. Yeah. Airbud's seventh inning fetch. Oh my God. I never get tired of this. Can you guess what sport is involved in Airbud Five? Airbud spikes back. Volleyball. Um, it is volleyball. God. What? Um, yeah. Aren't they out of sports yet? No. The Air, we got an Airbud curling. We got Airbud high lie. And this is where it gets confusing. Airbud teacup, whatever it's called, the volleyball you use with your feet in Thailand. <laughs> Here's where it gets confusing. At some point. At some point, not unlike a, an amoeba, mm-hmm. the Airbud series splits off. Oh, it's evolving. It does. It evolves into no. MVP or the Most Valuable Primate series. 
Um, oh. <laughs> the most valuable primate series, uh, where a, a primate, an ape, a chimp has a knack for ice skating. Into MVP <laughs> two, most vertical primate, <laughs> where, <laughs> where the monkey learns skateboarding tricks. Oh, um, oh into MXP, most extreme primate. <laughs> <laughs> Where he, uh, where uh, yes, where Jack, the, Jack the gorilla carves up the slopes, and spymate, <laughs> which, which is just like fuck, fuck sports. Let's see what else we can do. The Duke, the Duke of the Manor, leaves his estate to the black and tan coonhound Hubert and Charlotte. <laughs> what chestnut what? hero of Se- Central Park? Here's one of my favorites that I've seen a bunch of images of: Russell Madness, a wrestling movie starring Jack Russells. And th- yes, there is there are shot like Google it right. Now on the on Google Images, and there is there is a shot of a real wrestler about to pin a like adorable Jack Russell lying oh on the mat. Oh my god! Uh, Monk- like right, I'm looking that up right Monkey now. Monkey Up is also there. Pop Star, Pop Star, better together with number two. Pop Star World Tour. But what other people forget is that Air Bud eventually became Air Buddies because hmm. there were multiple dogs. And then after that, maybe in that series, they developed the ability to talk. Oh, Air Bud no. never talked. Yeah. So that involves into Snow Buddies. Oh, and then no. to Space Buddies, Santa Buddies, one and two, <laughs> uh, Spooky Buddies, Treasure Buddies, and of course, Super Buddies in 2013. I'm trying to find you the last one. I think it was Pop Star World Tour that came out this, <sighs> this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> There are so many. Okay. Let me I think out. this is the most anyone has ever talked about this series, including the Rightfully people so. who developed it and were paid to make these movies. Um, and here's what, is this like the third uh, white person trapped in a Asian prison movie of the of the year? Oh, we don't want to talk more about Golden Receiver? <laughs> I, I mean, it's really so. important. I feel like I said everything that needed to be said. I mean, yeah. Uh, Return, to, Return to Paradise with Vince Vaughn, Joaquin Phoenix, and Anne Good friends. The day you and Tony left Penang, he was arrested on drug charges. Bad luck. You and Tony have to accept your share of the responsibility. You're talking about three years in prison. Eight days to decide. If you don't go back, Lewis will hang. Lewis would have come back for either of us. You want to rot in one of these prisons? You guys are my last chance. Return to paradise. What a bunch of shitty... Friends, three yeah. years in prison or your buddy dies forever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Jesus, go back. Oh. I totally saw this movie and like remember being angry at the time. What's the other one? Uh, it's the Claire Danes one, Broke Down Palace. Broke Down Palace, that's right. In uh, Midnight Express. I've seen that one. Yeah, Midnight Express. And then isn't The Beach similar? No. No, it's okay. not about prison. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, this is a remake of uh, 89 film Force Majeure, which is confusing because then there's another film called Force right. Majeure from a couple years ago that's Jesus. really good. very different. Um, <laughs> yeah, confusing. I I also saw this and I'm just not sure why. Well, I, I it's weird because I saw um, I saw the the next movie on the list too. Like, I was, I was going to bat for everything this mm. summer. Because mm-hmm. um, I this is the movie that introduced me to both Natasha Lyonne being awesome mm-hmm. and Alan Arkin being amazing. Hmm. I'd seen them both in other things, but they really this this is these are great roles for both of them. No offense to Marissa Tomei, I don't remember her standing out as much. But Slums oh, of Beverly gosh. Hills. Yeah, I have totally go to bat for this one too. I'm sorry we're just blowing past Return to Paradise because Slums of Beverly Hills is so much better. It's so much better. It's 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 actually like a total like it might be it's really high up on the recommend list this mm-hmm. month this this yeah. week. 
Uh, let's hear a little bit of that trailer. I'm like the form. It's 1976, and her brother's over-talented. Luck be a lady tonight. Her neighbor's over-friendly. Are you staring at my breasts? No. Her cousin's over-medicated. Did you have anything for my nerves? Second all, Demerol, Percent. Rita! And Beverly Hills is overrated. It's not normal to move every three months. It's normal in some cultures. Nomads, they move. Slums of Beverly Hills, rated R. I, I really like this movie, and when it was I still on TV, I'd, I'd watch it every time, no matter mm-hmm. where it was. Because, mm. uh, yeah, also great role. David Krumholtz. David Krumholtz. And, yeah. and Ke- uh, Kevin Coop. You're sometime do- doppelganger. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Thank God he's he's started to outweigh me, so I don't look like every schlubby dude in every <laughs> fucking movie. Yeah, uh, Kevin it's just, it's such a good it's such a great concept for a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a coming-of-age movie. It's real you know, fun with the wacky characters. But just the idea that uh, you know, Alan Arkin is this dad that... Uh, is broke, <laughs> but he really wants to keep his kids in like the good schools in Beverly Hills School District. So mm-hmm. he just moves around to like the shittiest couple buildings that are just barely in the school district, mm. and moves so out before he can be evicted, even yeah. though he can't pay the rent. Well, that's a uh, real estate axiom, basically: get the worst mm. house in the best neighborhood. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, dude. Sarah's real estate advice: new segment. <laughs> oh, God. New segment. Uh, Slums of Beverly Hills. Jesus Christ, there are too yeah, many fucking movies. Yeah, it's like movies. so good. And like, as you know, as a teenage girl, it just felt awkward and weird all the time. That doesn't get captured very well. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid to go see eighth grade because eighth grade was so traumatic for me. Oh, yeah. um, we're seeing it tomorrow. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared. I'm be- so scared. Just just like I was with Welcome to the Dollhouse. I just, just, <laughs> yeah, just like shaking afterwards. But um, at least you don't I, have yeah, to have those. Gets, you don't have to have the, those giant cone bras. Yeah, that yeah. was a throwback for sure. Yeah, it's always interesting too watching these trailers and then you pause like at the part where it shows all the credits and I just like glimpse like executive producer Robert Redford. Yeah. What? Huh. I mean, he was all over everything. It's at true. This point. It's Once just went, funny sometimes to see who the producers are on some of these unlikely films. But it also means he could have like picked it up at Sundance. Yeah, which is not fair because he gets an exclusive. That's look. true. I guess yeah. that makes sense. But just, I mean, the teenage years is so awkward, and especially for girls, they often get like traumatic and weird. And it's so nice to have one that's like it's, but it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's light and funny. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of rare that we get really good teenage films uh, that are relatable but not so relatable that you're you don't want to watch it because it makes you hurt like ladybird to me was like relevatory basically Mm -hmm. last year like it it was truly my life like that year was the year i graduated from high school from a catholic school so i was really (laughs) living that life pretty hard i'd I'd go as far as to say this is natasha leone's best role i see her pop up in things where like Thank God she's here, but that was, you are totally underserviced in uh, blank American Pie and Orange is the New Black. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. She's perfect little bit of seasoning in Mm. Girls. Oh, really? Yeah, she has a a little episode where she's featured in it. And yeah, it's like the perfect amount of like, just a little bit of Natasha Lyonne seasoning. It's perfect. Yeah, she has like a voice and like swagger that's like 40 years older than her. And she (laughs) she did even back then. I mean, do you think that she is would be properly classified as a character actor? Yeah, probably. I mean, at this she kind point, of only plays certainly. one type of person. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe there was a time where it was we were th- thinking maybe she was going to be not a character actor. I don't know, a featured actor. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it mm-hmm. exactly. But I think just like her look, her personality, mm-hmm. the way she talks, she's just better suited as a character actor. And it's not an insult. It's just, no, it's no, disarming I absolutely do she's, not she's, mean it like that. She's also gorgeous. Yes. Um. Yeah. 
But see Slums of Beverly Hills, folks. I did not see this next movie. Going to need the ladies here to come to bat for this one. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I did. I'm ready. Angela Bassett, Tay Diggs, Whoopi Goldberg, and Regina King in How Still I Got a Groove Back. 20th Century Fox presents Angela Bassett. How much sense do we make? Tay Diggs. You should know that anything that's good probably never makes sense. And Whoopi Goldberg. What's wrong with you liking this young man? He's just a kid. Sometimes it takes the power of friendship. You are not fooling anybody. The strength of family. Come on. That's some young dick. Guess what? Dad's here. I ran here as fast as I could just to see how miserable you are. And the courage to listen to your heart to find the ultimate groove. Yes. Stella got her groove back. Oh. Basically, eat, pray, love, but better. Oh yeah. Way so better I and way sexier. I have to apologize. I made teasers like comments thinking that this was waiting to exhale. Oh. And then I was so disappointed. No, it's a different Terry McMillan adaptation yes. starring Angela Bassett. Mm. Who? I but, like waiting to exhale so much more. I mean, I I think I like them both. I like. I mean, Angela Bassett is just. Yes. breathtaking like oh i and never ages so and you know i love seeing beautiful people do beautiful things in a beautiful location so yeah, that kind of checks yeah a woman she, she goes through a breakup she is a high-powered broker mm-hmm. and has a kid and finds herself with a little bit of spare time over the summer and so kind of takes a spur of the moment trip with her best friend to jamaica will be goldberg is like 40 years older than her <laughs> it's a very different look um, and then uh, meets a young Tay Diggs who is yeah quite a bit younger than her I mean not crazy younger but yeah uh, he's half her age yeah okay <laughs> which no one would say anything about it if she were a man that's all I'm saying I'm doing it right now no one cares <laughs> yeah what? it was it was very interesting to me to like to watch this and I honestly, I was kind of bored because, you know, it's just about like falling in love and then, oh, should we or shouldn't we or should we or shouldn't we? It's like, get it, girl. <laughs> just but do it. It made me think about like, uh, I'm her age and would I date a 20 year old? Would, would you? <laughs> I don't no. think you could do that. <laughs> I always would, think, would, what are you going to talk about? Would on vacation? Yes. 100%. I'm just imagining Diana with like a 20-year-old green-haired YouTube unboxer right now. <laughs> just, it's making me laugh just thinking about it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but but date? No. Yeah. Vacation fun? Yeah. So interestingly, this is based on a true story. Uh, oh, Terry God, McMillan. Yes. And it is crazy because she. Yeah. this actually basically happened to her. Oh, really? Yeah. And she ended up marrying this younger guy that she met in Jamaica. And then after some time, I th- was it a period of years or was it shorter? It was a couple of years. It was a couple of years. I think like she, four months. He had to go back to seducing old women again. No, the opposite. Oh. He came out as gay. And oh. basically it was like, yeah, I just married you for to become an American and get a green card. Well, that's what she said. She said, he, yeah. he tricked me. He's a con man. Right. He married me to get citizenship. And he was like, no, I just never could express being gay because I lived in Jamaica and people and were homophobic. But you can't deny this groove. It, it came back. Everybody sued everybody. They <laughs> yeah. sued wow. each other back it and was forth dramatic. and it got real ugly. There's oh, a geez. whole Oprah about it because apparently they kind of reconciled in 2010 and went on Oprah and I think oh Terry McMillan God. famously was like, look, I'm fine now but he's not my best friend forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yep. Mm. That's fair. 
That's totally oh, fair. Man. But she's got her groove back, man. And she's yeah. like a multi-million dollar <laughs> author. She's doing good. Look at all that groove. And she got Angela Bassett to play her, which is like the dream. So there oh you go. Oh, my God. Can she play me? Yeah, please. <laughs> I welcome it. Uh, I'll yes, bitch about I it on Twitter. I want her to play me when I was 13. I think that would be <laughs> fucking great. Man, you're not making me really sad. My days of being a Tay Diggs type are years behind me at this oof. point. Don't oof. I can be sad about it. You don't have to do that. Was, well, like 60-year-olds. <laughs> like uh, my days of being an Angela Bassett type are also behind me, and she's quite a bit older than me. Not so. true. I've seen you rock a sarong. I'm sure you, I'm sure you do fine. <laughs> um, all right. Is, is that all in Silicon Group back? Uh, it, yeah, oh. I mean, it did It did well. It's popular. People like it because it's romantic. I, I, too much of a cynic. I kept thinking about like, yeah, he's using you. Yeah, this is a con man. He's going to steal all your stuff or whatever. Right. Turn out to be gay, get citizenship. I, and I found out about that after watching the movie. But yeah, the whole time I'm like, hmm, he's up to something. I think it's, it's, I also want to compliment it because it's a title that seems a little silly, but like everybody's <laughs> heard of it as a result. Oh, yeah. Like it's 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 not really a saying at this point, but getting your groove back. It was, uh, it was obviously part of the vernacular yeah. when she wrote the novel. So I think this actually retired that saying, um, if anything. Well, as per usual, too, once white people get a hold of it, it's <laughs> real lame. Starts to get super lame. Rush Limbaugh back from vacation with my groove back. <laughs> well, actually, pro- he probably did pick up a younger wife, so <laughs> that's probably pretty accurate. And a bunch of prescription pills. Yeah. Anyway, we have to get into the real terror of the oh, episode. Oh, fuck. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, here's a bunch of people Diana likes I, used yeah. incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, Fiona Shaw, Jim Broadbent, Sean Connery, Ray Fiennes, and Uma Thurman uh, not doing their best work. To stop a madman. You will buy your weather from me. On a mission <laughs> of destruction. Hundreds of millions will die. They'll drown. Burn. Lady, who's lethal? What did you have in mind? Nothing too messy, I hope. And a hero, John Steed. In a hat. You'll pay for that. This summer, you'd like us to work as a team. You mean I have to trust you? Absolutely. Good. When evil reigns, rain or shine. All right, this is this to me. I I've mm. I've not seen this in years, and even then, wasn't fully paying attention, so I'll back off. As a Marvel fan, this was mean because, like, <laughs> like I'd never seen the show, and like I'd only knew it existed from my parents' like fucking NPR donation catalog that came in the mail. It ne- yeah. I, we had no cable and tons of British imports on PBS, and I never have ever seen this show. N- nor had I would guess many Americans. And when you call your movie The Avengers, fuck you. And I'm pretty sure calling it that means that's that's why like Marvel. In in the UK, Avengers is called Avengers Assemble, and mm-hmm. here it's technically titled Marvel's Avengers. Gotcha. Because this stupid yep. movie. Well, I tried to watch it, and also in oh. preparation, and it was a bitch to search for, and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, okay, so let's go back mid sixties. Yeah. Uh, there's a really cool British TV show about you know a dapper spy and his various girl sidekicks the most famous one of which is birthday challenge loser diana rig um, <laughs> you know how all the women in austin powers wear black leather cat suits mm-hmm. that's because of the avengers and it's a cool show it's very science fictiony and goofy and weird and it's it's a lot of fun 
I totally recommend it. It is it's campy, but it's fun. It's turns out it's the first British import program that was on uh, primetime U.S. television. No shit. Well, it was such a big hit. They were just like, fuck it. Uh, give us that. We'll take that. Thank you. And it, um, it ran for an unseasonably long time for an English show. Like what? Yeah. 61 to 69. It's seeing over 160 episodes. Wow. Yeah. Take that, and it prisoner. went through a bunch of changes. Like it slowly evolved into what it became. And then like a couple cast members would come and go. But yeah, I mean, especially the Emma Peel years, the, the ones with Diana Rick, those are just Mwah! <laughs> look, look for them on PBS like late at night. Anyway, um, so we're in the 90s and we're making every TV show into a movie. This is known <laughs> but not well known. Okay, let's see what we do. And I was so excited, mostly because I just wanted to see Sean Connery play a bad guy. Yes, I built a bomb made out of weather. <laughs> and it is a mess. Oh my God. I don't know if the studio got involved or they didn't have a full script. I mean, the guy who directed it directed National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is fun, but not yeah. exactly an action set yeah. piece kind of movie. So what's and wrong with it? It repeatedly makes no sense. Ah, gotcha. Um, that's a big part of the problem. If it were just straightforward, this guy is a bad guy and these guys are going to stop him and then there's going to be some fighting and then they stop him. Okay, fine. But there's also like, he's starting this evil cabal and they're all dressed up as teddy bear costumes for some reason. <laughs> and then it turns out oh, there's a mole inside the spy agency and who could it be? And it, guess what? It's Fiona Shaw. Cause she only appears in bad movies and uh, <laughs> it's just, it never makes any sense. And the witty dialogue is always like too it's every scene is like two minutes too long as they're trying to underline the wittiness of the dialogue. And poor Ray Fiennes is actually pretty good in it. <laughs> it is. It's the kind of movie where you're watching it and you start thinking, wait, 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 did I miss a scene? Because it gotcha. never makes sense. Gotcha. Hmm. Oh, poor Sean Carter is wasted. I love when I see old heroes play bad guys and it's embarrassing as fuck. And I really, I want to apologize to my friends, uh, Andy and Phil, who back in 1998, <laughs> I convinced them to come see this with me, and I am I was apologizing so much when we left, and I am so sorry. That's okay. Yeah, this is it one happens. of it's it has one of those fascinating Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic pages where mm. everyone's like, "Oh boy, this is so bad, it's fascinating." Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I, the only other movie I can compare it to, which also has Uma Thurman in it, is Batman and Robin. Yeah, ah. in the like, this is yes. so bizarrely bad that I kind of can't stop watching. Mm -hmm. it, it, look at the trailer; it is it, it never looks cheap. Yeah. Oh no! 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 Yeah. Yeah, I remember when this came out, and I remember seeing the posters like all over my blockbuster and. I don't know. I just never got around to watching it, even though it is completely right up my alley. And it's too bad because it really seems like it would be perfect for a remake or a reboot or something. But the mm -hmm. name, the name, name makes it like an impossible project at this point. Who? Call it the Revengers an or impossible something. impossible mission? <gasps> no. All right. Did I just do that? <laughs> no. Yeah. If, if you want to see something that it, it's so bad, it should not have been released by the studio. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's how cruel I'm going to be towards this movie. It's it's a train wreck. Damn. Damn. And it's so not fair. It's not fair to Avengers of all kinds. <laughs> Damn it. And, it. and it looks like it has a bunch of fascinating behind the scenes as well. Like mm. the, the the studio knew they had a real fucking shitty movie on their hands. 
Mm-hmm. Try to, it just, it, it, it makes it, I, I think Hollywood works a little better now, but this like <laughs> an unstoppable shit train where everybody is kind of like covering their eyes and doing their best. Well, they've got the fallacy of sunken cost, I think, going on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think there's a bit of that. Um, and then just like release it and pray it becomes a cult favorite and they like somehow <laughs> recoup it later on. Yeah, reduced from almost two hours to 89 minutes yeah. to try and salvage oh, the film. That's pretty bad. And that oh. might be why it doesn't make sense then. Yeah. They that probably makes, cut a lot okay, of that exposition. that explains a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm just now seeing I'm at one point. if there's like a director's cut. Yeah. At one point, Emma is shackled to and floating around in a hot air balloon. We don't know how she got here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's never explained or shown. Um, nice. But yeah, Jesus Christ. We still have so mm. much to get through. Oh, come on, kids. I'm going to need your help um, because I, Sarah, any, any any love for Zoog Disney? Uh, I thought this was charming. If you want to hear you like, you want to hear some, some kids drop some sick rhymes in the form of the anime. Zoog Disney was, I think, an afternoon programming block for the Disney Channel. Okay. Uh, and it has an, a song I thought like it just brought a smile to my face. We're <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. I love it. I kind of love that. You can even hear like the the Disney video intro in there somewhere. Yes. But if you had Disney Channel and you were the right age, you definitely know what this is. It's mostly like, but the Zoogs were little animated characters that would Mm -hmm. sometimes interact with uh, real life kids. But it was also, I think, Disney really ahead of the curve here, marrying its television with the capabilities of the internet and seeing Mm -hmm. that kids were using the internet more and like, maybe we can use that to, they can email us and ask us questions and Zoog Disney, that debuts uh, on August 11th. This makes me infuriated that I can't find anything about this. If I told you there was a movie, in the not-too-distant future, a group of brazen Gen X police officers become the first team of jet-propelled rollerblade cops. With body armor, jetpacks, and advanced computer technology, these recruits navigate dangerous, congested streets as they track down elusive criminals. This also stars Parker Lewis and Scott Farkas. And Woo! it was called. Ah, <laughs> hyperventilating with joy. It, it aired this week on Fox as a TV movie, a bad backdoor pilot called Blade Squad. I can find no evidence of this other than the German trailer, which changes the name of the film to something quite possibly even better than Blade Squad. Oh, God. My name is Führer. Inline cops. <laughs> <laughs> that is so German. I'm so that bummed. Is so German. We are denied Corn Nemec in Blade Squad, but I can't find it anywhere. Oh man! Uh, ex- wow. I'd say the same for. Um, no, I have to. Wait, let me get this out of the way. So go chronologically. Do you remember a couple weeks ago I talked about the end of TBN, the Christian yeah. Broadcasting mm-hmm. Network, uh, and that became the Family Channel. Almost 10 years to the day, Fox had acquired the Family Channel, and they're now debuting the Fox Family Channel. This would eventually become ABC Family and Freeform as we mm-hmm. know it now. And I just thought it might 
I don't know why I was paying so much attention to this. I, I guess they were marketing it well with like, look, dude, we got Star Wars, Bobby's World, Pee Wee Herman. You might want to come back and check out the Family Channel if you've never done it before. Uh, this doesn't have any dialogue. It just has an awesome theme song. Wow. And somewhere in this footage is like the Death Star being destroyed and George Carlin as the conductor. Yes. Which like I had no idea. From Thomas the Tank. I never knew that. I was a huge George Carlin Engine. fan. Like, yes. he, he's what? Where's where's George Carlin? I'll and turn then into the Ringo channel. Star. But yeah, that is oh the craziest <laughs> promo. <laughs> just because they are showing like almost just tiny images of like everything that they're showing almost too fast for your brain to even process process what you're looking (laughs) at like just they could have given each one half a second more i think it would be much more effective that's great and i can't see it so i mean i just kind of assumed it was like night at the roxbury i was just (laughs) bobbing my head i was doing the dance yeah i think we all kind of were so (laughs) and then lastly a hallmark movie airs uh on tv this week i'd never heard of it the ransom of red chief Oh, you never um, read that story? I didn't. School? It's an O'Hare Henry story, right? Uh, I think so, because it does sort of have a twist to it. But it, it I is. love that story. What are you talking about? But it's a mo- I can't believe you didn't read it. It's a movie directed by Bob Clark, the director of Christmas Story, oh. about two hobos who want to strike it rich with a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm going to steal this child and hold him for ransom. Unfortunately, this child is rambunctious and thinks he's the Red Indian chief. Mm. Uh, and it just... As the Red Chief is Haley Joel Osment in the Macaulay Culkin I'm Pulling oh, a Bunch wow. of Pranks role against Christopher Lloyd and Michael Jeter. Was Mr. <gasps> yes, Mr. Green Jeans, is it, what was his name on Sesame Street? Uh, he, died, he died about 10 years ago, but yeah. he was uh, great in the Green Mile. Uh, hmm. You'd know if, if you saw him, but there you go. A little bit of rights with Red Chief. Andrew? Andrew? Andy was a kid with an active imagination. Sam and Bill were adults with an unscrupulous plan. What if we kidnapped the son of that distinguished family and hid him in our mind? We could ask his father for a lot of money to get him back. His father would give us a fortune, we'd give him the boy back, and everybody would live happily ever after. Boy, that must have hurt landing on your head like that. I think we'd better harm ourselves. They were twice his height. Well, my good fellow, how are we today? Who's we, Fatso? What? <laughs> What an asshole. Now, why call Christopher Lloyd Fatso? He's yeah, like the only consistently like skinny guy in Hollywood. Jesus. Uh, but that, that comes out this week, and that is it for television. Um, Diana, how do you want to take us out? 1998. Ooh. I guess I'll give you guys uh, a choice. We go out with the original Avengers theme, which they do use in the movie, and mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Or uh, Crush by Jennifer Page, which was on an album that came out this week that's like, oh, I don't, I've never heard of this song. And then the second I played it, I go like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I know, like, all the words to this. Me, too. This is a song that you definitely skated to at the skating (laughs) rink if you are in my age bracket. (laughs) Uh, I think that determines it, though. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Crushed by Jennifer Page is going to take us out of 1998, but stay right there because we got to get into some 2008 people.
Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 10th through 16th, yeah, actually, I got, uh, I got some recommends. Uh, 75 years ago this week, August 11, 1943, saw the release of Ernst Lubitsch's Heaven Can Wait, starring Donna Michi and Gene Tierney. This has been remade, I don't know, three times, I think? Warren Beatty did a version, Chris Rock did a version, everyone does a version, and the original is super, super charming uh, about a, a guy who his soul is like put into another body and he's got to deal with wacky things. Look, Ernst Lubitsch I don't think has come up that much on the show and hasn't come up for a while since, I don't know, like to be or not to be maybe? Um, he's freaking amazing. If you want to see someone who's got like the lightest touch in comedy ever. Besides Heaven Can Wait, I kind of want to recommend a different Lubitsch movie though, uh, but it's like way before our time frame so it'll take me a while to get to it. Um, Trouble in Paradise, I finally saw a little while ago, and it is one of the sexiest comedies I have ever seen for a movie where, like, you're not allowed to show sex or nudity or anything. It's about, like, these two grifters and stuff. So, uh, sorry, Heaven Can Wait. I do really like you, but you can, in fact, wait. I'm just going to say Trouble in Paradise uh, by Ernst Lubitsch. And then 50 years ago this week, uh, August 15th, 1968, uh, so the release of Peter Bogdanovich's Targets, starring... Boris Karloff. Uh, it's Boris Karloff basically playing himself like an old horror actor um, who then has to deal with this, sh- basically a mass shooter. Uh, well before mass shooters were like a huge, huge thing. Um, and I, I always hate to recommend other podcasts, but you must remember this last season did a whole thing about Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi and a whole episode on targets. And it was really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting movie that's kind of ahead of its time and, and very cleverly made. I think they something like uh, they had Boris Karloff for two days because he owed Roger Corman some time from some other movie. And so they ended up uh, making this film, and it's pretty good. So those are my recommends for this week. Stay classic. As the morning sun begins to rise, we're fading can't tell what that song is we're gonna get along just fine because that's tonight off of a little bit longer by the joan ass brothers you see what i did there i took them down a peg 10 years later oh i hate those kids no i don't know anything about the jonas brothers uh but i'm guessing kids love that song is it number one (laughs) it's just new no okay it's just new but not generic music for generic children this is true for generic time because basic (laughs) bitch children we have new yeah. releases. Uh, Fantasy Black Channel by uh, Late of the Pier. Peaceful The World Lays Me Down by Noah and the Whale. Only on the Left Side by Daz Dillinger. And Look What You Made Me by Young Berg. I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry is still number one. Jesus, she's getting a lot of mileage out of that. Um, let's jump into the movies of 2008, August 10th through the 16th. Henry Poole is here, starring Luke Wilson, Rada Mitchell and George Lopez. I um, feel like I watched that. Yeah, I feel yeah. Like I heard of it. Uh, Luke Wilson is a grumpy guy. I think he might have cancer, and then there's a water stain on his house that looks like Jesus, and everyone starts coming to his house and it annoys him. <laughs> this seems Maybe like it was I grossly miscast. That. I don't know. <laughs> Should have been like Clint Eastwood or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mirrors, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Paula Patton, and Amy Smart. I'm guessing this went straight to HBO. Uh, no, 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 it's a it's a spooky horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's got 
pretty good reviews where uh, Kiefer's a night watchman in a big scary building where there's lots and lots of mirrors and then the mirrors start doing things and you see your reflection and it's doing something different. And we also have this week uh, the last... I wanted to skip those because we've got bigger movies to right. talk about. Frankly. Bigger and better. Is It's the last... Uh, it is the last... Woody Allen movie you can morally, chronologically watch. <laughs> Christina mm, Barcelona. No, nope. Well, I mean... No. I, no. We knew about it. Yeah, but everybody like everybody was still giving money to make shit. I, I, like, I was digging deep into Amazon Prime the other day. I'm like, oh, there's his Amazon movie that they did yeah. not promote. It's just sitting somewhere in there. He had to get Justin Timberlake to be in it, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, timeline-wise, you're off. Uh, I mean, we can talk about what he No, I'm sure want, it, it should have been the Purple Rose of Cairo, but like by the time like it, it yeah. was like undeniably a shitty thing to do, and like, hey, maybe this dude sucks, and so we should ostracize him. It's about now, uh, I think. I mean... And, it's hard. I love this movie yeah. a lot. And the I movies get worse after it's this. It's one of the few. <laughs> um, yes, I think it makes them easier I to shun. Like Midnight in Paris that came out. Yeah, this. but Midnight in Paris is the the last one that got like the awards last and stuff. Good one. But, yeah, goodish one. We can one. talk about Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Hello, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Barcelona. Barcelona. Javier Bardem, Penelope Cruz, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, and Patricia Clarkson. I was in love with the most incredible woman, and she put a knife into me. My God, that's terrible. Well, maybe you did something to deserve it. Christina, this is Marielena. Things didn't work out for her, and she has to stay here. I don't like her for you. I don't trust her. You went through my luggage? Who knew what I would find there? After all, I have thoughts of killing you. <laughs> oh! Oh, I, I mean, I really like this movie a lot. Are Bertie and wow. Cruz a real-life married couple? Really? Yes. Don't, so I'm interested to talk about it. All right. Okay. Have at it. I've never seen it, but I'm going to assume it's a Woody Allen movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's a Woody Allen movie, which just means it's about neurotic white people who have way too much money and no real problems. Sure. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, it's becoming more and more of his thing, and it's just distracting. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into the Woody Allen allegations because I'm a Woody Allen fan going way back, but I also... I like to listen to victims and what they have to say. So, <laughs> I mean, I think let's, that, let's just, can we do author is dead on this or well, do we want to talk about it? I think that we could, we don't need to get super into it. I do think though that it's, and you and I have talked about this, Diana, like in breaks mm-hmm. and stuff, like it's okay to just be a little uncomfortable about a thing. Mm-hmm. And Woody Allen, me liking Woody Allen movies makes me uncomfortable and does force me to think about victims and questions and and stuff like that so why you're a monster yeah mm. like we self-examination is just going to be part of being a fan at some point and not for me i was defending fisher stevens like two weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually and i mean it's worth me saying uh, the soon you thing is actually not my problem um yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that was here. weird at the time, but they're still together, so somehow that worked out, I guess. Yeah, it's great. A me too um, that worked out. It's the least worst thing. <laughs> yeah. No, not even close. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> not even close. But, uh, all right. Oh, I, I don't so, have into the movie. So, mm-hmm. this is about Scarlett Johansson and Rebecca Hall are um, rich white ladies who <laughs> are going to Spain because they can't really think of anything better to do. I guess Rebecca Hall is working on like her thesis or something, mm-hmm. but like on like Gal here's, G, right? Uh, yeah, so. but here's here's my freaking problem is because they they have no real concerns so they create them and I don't think that that is a point that Alan is making. 
I I think it's a byproduct of this guy has made a movie a year for fifty fucking years, Nobody and he asked doesn't you to do know that. how normal people act. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that's pretty much his deal. Like mm-hmm. he's yeah. all like it's always white people with too much money making up problems where they don't really have any to be concerned about, and generally those problems are interpersonal and generally mm-hmm. have to do with their genitals. Um, yep. So, I mean, like, that. I don't know, like, going into this and... He's in this period of, like, I call it sexy Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's not that funny and people are fucking too much. And Yeah, no, this isn't <laughs> really, this isn't a comedy. Funny. I can't call it no, comedy. No, no, this oh, no? isn't a comedy. No, no, no. no. Okay. okay. I mean, there are humorous elements, theoretically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think going into this movie and all of his movies, I'm just, I know what I'm getting myself into. And I'm okay with it. And mm-hmm. again, I mean, I think I've said this numerous times, maybe even in this episode, but like, I do like watching beautiful people in a beautiful place do things. So, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, this one's hard pretty to good. Complain for about. That. So, where the plot ends up going is, you know, there are these two, you know, Americans just bumming around uh, with their rich friends, and they meet artist Javier Bardem, who wants to have sex with both of them, and just tells them that first thing. And then he has like romantic entanglements first with Rebecca Hall, who's engaged, and then with Scarlett Johansson, and then Penelope Cruz, his uh, his ex wife, shows up, mm-hmm. and it gets more entangled. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where I thought it got good. Yeah, like oh no, the whole first half of this movie with Rebecca Hall not knowing how she feels about Javier <sighs> Bardem. Kind of bored me to tears. Yeah. Like, this is one of those movies where I get to the Penelope Cruz part and I'm like, we're just now getting to this? How long has this movie been on? So, like, there's a lot of parts to it. That whole part should just be the movie. Yes. Because Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz have this, are both artists. They have this very volatile relationship, but Mm -hmm. they're also, like, kind of meant to be together. Oh, I thought you were going to say mentally ill because I also feel like they might be a little mentally ill. But, like, their relationship doesn't work unless Scarlett Johansson is there, and mm-hmm. then she gets into a relationship with both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, the second everything starts working great, she gets restless and wants to leave. Like, that whole situation is fascinating. Yes, agreed. Why isn't that the whole movie? It sh- definitely should be. It seems like he's, it <sighs> spends a lot of time setting the table. Rebecca Hall is fucking useless to me in this movie. <laughs> like, her character, I can't stand. I hate that she has this, like, very handsome, very nice doting fiance back home who, like, and this is one of my big pet peeves with, like, in movie characterizations in movies is when the square guy is, like, kind of villainized or the square girl. Mm. It's like, as a square, I resent that <laughs> depiction, okay? <laughs> I always feel bad for them. Like, I don't know. So, like, yeah, that whole part of it I could just totally do without. Yeah. But, no, you're right. Everyone's very pretty and mm-hmm. they're in a really pretty location. You mm-hmm. get to see lots of really pretty Spain. and Yeah. It's, it's nice. Like a, it's like but... a worse call me by your name <laughs> yeah less sexy and also Way less, less, sexy. less deep yes yeah. I'm, yeah. B- I'm biding my time before i can do the manly thing and complain about star wars <laughs> yeah that's super manly go ahead <laughs> and some of the manliest men i've ever seen on the internet have complained about star wars let me tell you <laughs> to this day valiantly editing out carrie fisher yes Fighting uh, a good fight. Bring bring your big dick energy into the Star Wars. <laughs> you want BDE? You got it. <sighs> In a galaxy far, far away, the untold.
chapter of the Star Wars saga is revealed. On August 15th. They have nowhere to run. Skywalker is the Republic's only hope. Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Stop it with a duel of fates. Uh, Why does it look like that? Okay, well, I think part of that is because it's a grand experiment. Okay. Um, this is this is four episodes of a television show that they decided to stitch together into a movie and release in theaters. Right. And it got reviewed as such very, very poorly. It is exactly that. It's the same problem we had with, like, remember we got the first Futurama movie and, like, mm-hmm. it didn't make much sense? Yeah. Uh, because it was just three episodes stitched together. But even more savage, like, the critics were really mean to the look of the film. But, like, if you understood this was done on a television budget, mm. you're just being forced to see it. It's against your will. Um, yeah. I, that, here's the thing. Like, I may have seen this, but I don't remember. I was at Lucasfilm during this marketing hype. So mm. I either watched a trailer for it or just became – I was pretty disgusted by whatever I saw of it and just didn't – have never bothered with it again. It's mildly interesting – because remember how when Disney bought Star Wars, we were, real nerds were like worried about like, what about this 20th Century Fox fanfare? <laughs> this didn't have that either. It's a Warner Brothers movie. It's the first movie not distributed by mm-hmm. Fox pre-Disney acquisition. Mm-hmm. So I hope that... I feel like the Warner Brothers has something to do with the show was on Cartoon Network. Cartoon and Network. Is, and I think they were running... ahead of the show. They were running it on TNT. As, uh, I think it, they bumped it up to TNT, this this Clone Wars, uh, uh, this hmm. version of the Clone Wars show. Because hmm. the whole thing confuses me. There's a lot of Clone Wars out there. I'm totally lost. Right. Um, so... I knew it was right, a TV show. Right, so this is between episode two and three mm-hmm. of the movie. That's why you have Movies. Duel of Fates with the right blaster sounds. Yeah, so I, I watched this. Mm-hmm. I, I just remembered not being interested at the time, and then the reviews were brutal. So I just watched this cold, just went in cold, let's see what it is. And yeah, I mean, the animation is often not great. And then sometimes it's really good. Hmm, really? There is a ton of action. And I don't think I noticed too much that it was, I thought maybe it was like two movies stitched together. But if it's four, then those episodes were action packed. There's barely... Like three lines of dialogue, and then they're right back into another giant action scene. Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to make that known in, at the top because like critics were savage, but like on a oh, television yeah. budget, like the Clone Wars achieved wonders. Mm. Uh, it was pretty astounding to look at. Um, but you know, it's just odd. You stitch together and put it in theaters, and it looks like a pile of shit. Yeah. Or yeah. Stinky the Hut, also a character in this film. Yeah. Uh, Stay that. Yeah, and then I just you know they introduce they introduce a couple characters I couldn't tell was I supposed to have known this character before from somewhere or not and I mean two women characters one is cool uh, Ventress who's uh, a bald Sith assassin lady and then uh, I've already forgotten her name that's <sighs> like now now you're going to be uh, Anakin's apprentice it's like he just graduated and now you're making him a professor that doesn't make any fucking sense. Jedi's never make any sense, but she's like so sassy and like they're being sassy at each other. And I was like, save it. Stop (laughs) with the jokes. And then the robot army makes jokes. And then they have they steal a giant uh, or they steal a baby Jabba the Hutt guy. And he's like farting all the time. I'm like, this is for babies. That's stinky. That's the aforementioned. That's stinky. stinky. Yeah, he should meet up with he should meet up with lumpy Chewbacca's kid. 
And they should have their oh, own movie together. Oh, I want to see that fight. Uh, but, um, although I like Jab- Jabba the Hutt's uh, gay uncle that sounds like Truman Capote. I liked him. <laughs> I, I believe Disney uncanonized this, even though yeah. it's it's coming back for another season because it was supposed to have a wrap-up season and it didn't. Disney yeah. like abruptly canceled it, but mm. now it's finally getting it. It's very confusing. I think the, the female lead you're talking about is rumored to pop up in episode nine. Mm. Because if you watched Rogue One, one of those characters is a character exclusively from the cartoon. It's Forrest Whitaker's character. Uh, really? He's just from, yeah, it's an older version of one of the cartoon characters. I, I didn't know that. I had to read that afterwards. Uh, <laughs> but I, because I don't watch this shit because I'm not made of time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah, this is a hard. I totally recommend this as a hard pass, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's making me nostalgic mm-hmm. because, especially with in the conjunction with the movie that was number one that week, because we were talking about this when we were rewatching it. That like, in a world without Netflix and professional YouTube shows, we were obsessed over the marketing of films and like watching mm-hmm. some of this shit over and over again. Yeah. And a great example of that is. Well, funny people. I love laughyourdickoff.com. I hope that's still up. Um, oh my God, funny people was great with that. Yeah, the, it, but, yeah but I so was Randy. Tropic Thunder. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best comedies of of the 2000s. Agreed. Um, yep, definitely agreed. And that is that is premieres this week, and it's just mm-hmm. so fucking much fun. I mm-hmm. just, I got my Blu ray way too late. I like it more every time I watch it. Me too. And I, yep. that's kind of. Not usually how it happens. Me, for me too. Let's see if the trailer will uh, will help us out oh, here. The trailer explains it nicely. While filming the biggest war movie ever. <laughs> Sorry, can we cut? <laughs> America's top action star was taken hostage. He just doesn't know it. Cut! Cut! <laughs> now the rest of the cast is the only hope he's got. Those dudes was trained soldiers. Yeah. And we trained actors. Yeah. There's some rewrites. Oh, I can't. I don't want to go too much into this, but just like I fell in love with the Ben Stiller show, mm-hmm. and therefore I fell in love mm-hmm. with Ben Stiller. He was by no means a mark of quality. He he got me into heavyweights. I was happy. Yeah, uh, he love heavyweights. He got me into Happy Gilmore. I was happy, but he wasn't a mark of quality unless up until Zoolander two. If Ben Stiller bothered to write something. It was in theaters. Go see it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Tropic Thunder is like perfect proof of that. Like a really big comedy. Yeah, him and Justin Theroux. Him and Justin Theroux, and that's why I bought the DVD. Is because yeah. there is a making of. There's a making of Tropic Thunder mockumentary that's like Heart of Darkness, where Justin Theroux stars <laughs> yes. as the Coppola character. And I, ha- I haven't been able to unwrap it yet. It arrived like just yesterday. Oh, I can't uh, wait to watch but, that. Oh. Yeah, for some reason, Justin Theroux wrote this. Yeah, well, and- Justin Theroux is funny. He just doesn't often get to be funny. I mean, mm. he was great in Wanderlust. And like every now and then, he'll just like pop up and things. You're like, this In a guy? Star Wars movie. This guy? <laughs> yeah, I love him. Uh, but this movie is fucking great. It's like I think its only real sin is like, man, you paid for Jack Black and he barely does anything. Yeah, well, it's an embarrassment yeah. of riches, honestly. Yeah, there's too many this people here. This movie is definitely an embarrassment of riches. Everybody is so on fire. Yeah. And I mean, the two I tend to think of are Nick Nolte and Tom Cruise because they're sort of parodying themselves. Yeah. 
But yeah. then Steve Coogan is being perfectly Steve Coogan. And totally. they kill him so early. Immediately. I know. I'm so surprised. <laughs> so it was, crazy. It was because if you're paying attention to all the online marketing materials, he was in a ton of it. And mm-hmm. to see him murdered immediately made it so much funnier. Oh, and that whole scene <laughs> As he licks afterwards. his severed head as shit flies out of his neck. It's ah. so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ooh, I, yeah, this movie is just everyone at their best. Also, indulge me for a second. What the mm. fuck? Why don't we get more Tom Cruise comedies? I don't know. I, like, <laughs> I, I was. Know. We were... He's so good. He's in on the joke, obviously, because he's playing it perfectly. Like, I, you know, sometimes you see these like very self-serious Hollywood types, and their their agent told them do this role where you're parroting you're parodying mm-hmm. Hollywood or this, and they you could tell they don't really get it. I think he's in on the joke. I think he yeah. gets what he what's funny about this. And this is it's based mm-hmm. on a character I Les Grossman, yes. like a character mm-hmm. he started on the MTV Movie Awards, yes. also in sketches written by Ben Stiller. But we were watching it and like, have you ever heard Tom Cruise curse this much in anything no, before or I know. since? It's like yeah. shocking. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Uh, like the first couple of times he talks about like he's going to skull fuck someone. I'm like, yes. oh! yeah. And he's spitting all over the screen and fat beardy makeup. I mean, let me see if I could get pull a little bit of this up. This is Lash Grossman. Who is this? This is Flaming Dragon. Okay, Flaming Dragon. Fuck face. First, take a big step back and literally fuck your own face. <laughs> Pan Pacific bullshit power play you're trying to pull here, but Asia Jack is my territory. So whatever you're thinking, you better think again. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to head down there, and I will rain down on a godly fucking firestorm upon you. You're gonna have to call the fucking United Nations and get a fucking binding resolution to keep me from fucking destroying you. I am talking scorched earth, motherfucker. I will massacre you. <laughs> I will fuck you up. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's so good, and also. Go back and watch that scene closely because Tom Cruise is wearing prosthetic hands in yeah, this film yeah. to make his hands look it bigger. It looks like the and cover the more, of Tina Fey's bossy pants. <laughs> the more you look at it, the more insane it looks. Shout out to um, Danny McBride and Matthew McConaughey. Oh. I always forget Matthew McConaughey's Me in too. this because everyone he, else is so crazy. Well, He's the, like a straight man. The only other black mark is I believe that was supposed to be Owen Wilson, but he had a little incident. Um, oh. A year ago, probably because of Steve Coogan, if I'm reading the gossip rags correctly. Really? Handing him heroin or some shit like that. Cool, cool. And almost to do. killing himself. He almost killed Owen Wilson. That is not wow worthy. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. we're not even talking like like the best the the best thing and the hardest thing to talk about is Robert yep. Downey Jr. in okay. this movie. And also right. Simple Jack though. I mean, like oh we're God, bookending simple. this episode with Two very controversial films. I mean, this was very controversial when it came out. If you are offended by those things, let me start by saying you're right. Yes. I will also Mm. say I don't care and they're the funniest things in the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean. (laughs) It makes my eyes rain. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It is so fucking so okay, let's let's talk about what do we want? To, which one do we want to talk about I don't, first? Like, okay. let's, talk, let's talk about Simple Jack. Okay. First. okay, I think that's the fastest conversation. Here's I think with both Robert Downey Jr.'s performances character and Simple Jack, the joke is on the idiot characters and yes. how stupid they are. Yes. It's yeah. not on like special needs people. Agreed. No, and that there's no fucking special needs person who acts like that, and that's why the no. character. Well, I mean, I I think the bigger point, though, is that 
it, it should make you uncomfortable. It's okay that it, you still find it funny and it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, it should make you uncomfortable because it should make you think about how Hollywood does portray these things. Yes. Like, it is Dude, doing... let me show you one promotional image from Cuba Gooding Jr.'s radio. This oh. is a thing that happens. Or watch, like, <laughs> 10 minutes of I Am Sam. Like, <laughs> it, that shit is bad. We were teasing a laser time called Full R Word where we just... <laughs> go through all of these awful performances we hopefully never have to see again. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, they're making the right point here and people who are offended by it are probably suffering from the same disease that the people who are offended by The Last Temptation of Christ are suffering from (laughs) where they maybe didn't actually see it or actually listen to what's happening and they don't really... Mm -hmm. They didn't give it a chance. I because I was yeah, in in context makes a huge of difference. Course, if you yes. just watched the Simple Jack trailer mm-hmm. by itself without seeing the rest of the movie, you would be like just disgusted. <laughs> like you want to throw up. Yeah. Because it is so, so wrong and pandering and sickly and offensive to just everybody. Yeah. And it, well, and, and that's but, the point. That character is an idiot. Yeah. And it is an R-rated comedy at a time where that wasn't really going down very often. Well, and, and talking well, we're some. talking mm-hmm. about context too, like there. So with all the marketing stuff that was surrounding this, like if you watch the beginning of the movie, they do like trailers and music videos for all it's the a, people. It's a brilliant way to introduce the movie, right? And it's so awesome. along with that, they also had websites that went along with all these fake mm-hmm. movies, and one of those websites was for the movie Simple Jack. And because of so much outcry, I believe the studio was like, okay, we acquiesce. We will take it down, but we're not going to take that storyline out, which I think is fair because, like you said, like within context, you shouldn't have to endure it if you don't want to. It's a movie, see it or don't. And you wouldn't want someone to stumble upon it and think it's a real thing. You know what? Speaking of the marketing for this, there is a joke in the marketing that got changed for the movie, and I really want to know why. Oh, what was it? The trailer. For Ben Stiller's action movie at the beginning, for Ben Stiller's character, yeah, um, where like he, you know, there's a bunch of explosions. He saves everyone. He's like up on a mountain, and in in the ads, he he had like two baby Bjorns, and they had baby pandas yes. in them. And oh, and they changed the, the movie, real babies. Regular babies. You're right. Like, baby pandas is so much funnier. Why did that change? And we were watching them, and like, why all the CG on the baby faces? Mm. Like, you could get babies mm-hmm. for this shot. Uh, you're right. They totally did undo that i wonder i don't get it I, i'm really it for, curious what the heck happened right, or did there, they like change it like this a, i mean the original version was babies and they made it pandas and they didn't have time to dude, change it in the movie i have no idea there's got to be a reason because pandas are the best and i want to see more it foreshadows when he eventually kills the panda and he says i've done <laughs> i'm the biggest yes. panda proponent ever that would have made way more sense if oh, those damn. were kept to be pandas yeah, yeah. but ben stiller is a uh, uh pff, is a waning action star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Black is, I don't I can't say Eddie Murphy type, but he just made a clumps movie. That's right. how that wait, opens. Wait, who is Ben Stiller? Who do you think Ben Stiller is supposed to be most closely? <sighs> Dude, I Arnold? think it's pretty obvious. It's who he has impersonated many, many, Tom many, Cruise? many times. Tom Cruise? Yes. You think so? Oh. Yeah. Huh. I think there's a bit of Tom Cruise in there, yeah. Okay. I mean, I definitely think he's playing it that way because that is his. Chris has never done a sequel. But his star has never faded for me, so I don't know if I can weigh in on that. Um, And and Jack Black's a comedy, and Al Pacino, by the the one guy who's like not a huge megastar, but he's fucking great in the movie. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Brandon Jackson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay Perichel, who I love, is just basically the red shirt of the Vietnam movie. (laughs) Yeah. And we haven't even explained the fucking premise. Uh, but I'll well, get to him. Sort of did in the trailer. I'll get to him in a second. But um, 
yeah, Kirk Lazarus, Robert Downey Jr. That's mm-hmm. to me what steals the movie because like I was already on the RDJ train. Yeah. And then it went into Iron Man. I'm like, the world loves him now. This is great. Mm-hmm. He's going to follow it up with this. And it was, oh, it was so good. But yes, it's a bunch of uh, people shooting a Vietnam movie and something happens and the director thinks, no, we're going to shoot this guerrilla style with real explosions, real bullets. And then the director dies immediately and can no longer direct. And there's also happens to be what a, a village of drug by, dealers. Well, it's like kind of a child army situation. Yes. That's like based on a real <laughs> child army that did exist. And the actors assume they're part of the movie. Yes. So they actually try and really fight sometimes. And act against them. And, and, and yeah. But. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> yes. That, mm-hmm. that Robert Downey Jr. plays actor Kurt Lazarus, an mm-hmm. Australian blonde, blue eyed man who is always diving headfirst into method acting into his roles. Yeah. And has decided to don full blackface uh, for this role. I love that he says, I don't I don't break character of the DVD commentary. Yeah. And then <laughs> in the know commentary. what happens on the DVD commentary? Yeah. Oh, no, he does he's it in, again? He's in character he, for the commentary. <laughs> he's in character all the way through the commentary. Yeah. Until at the end of the movie, when Kirk Lazarus takes his wig off and mm-hmm. he starts like saying like I'm I'm not really a black GI, then Robert Downey Jr. starts doing an Australian accent. He turns <sighs> into that character. And he he, amazing. he stated it is amazing, and they keep talking to him like, oh, Robert said this, Robert said that, and he's just not reacting. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. he's just being. Like, I'm not going to yeah. do it. I don't want to get in trouble either. Yeah. Because he yeah. said yeah. at he said You're at the time voice. he was he was uncomfortable doing this yeah. being in blackface but like yeah. this is undeniably funny and it's yeah. it's never i was watching it hoping they would overtly acknowledge in a way that satisfied modern outrage mm-hmm. that what they're doing is wrong and i don't think they do i can still see people being mad about this well, character think, in the scene yes again i feel like it's in context as the joke is not that it is okay to do blackface and yeah. that's why the Al Pacino is there as just yeah. a regular black but guy to never, tell him like and you calling are taking him out every time too far <laughs> you are doing a parody of what you think a black person is like and it is offending me and you're an idiot right it, it, he never says that outright he's only there to set up jokes that dance around that but I do love this scene this is Al Pacino the real black guy and Robert Downey Jr. the fake black, black guy. guy and Every time he talks, I can't stop laughing because mm-hmm. he's usually like reverting like some 1970s real yeah, jive language. Yeah. <laughs> and and this scene is this whole scene is fucking great. Man, what you coming out and moving slow anyway? Do you need another revenue stream? For your information, my revenue stream currently generates two million dollars a year in charitable contributions for my community. Ah, damn. And why am I in this movie? Maybe I just knew I had to represent because they had one good party here for a black man. They gave it to Crocodile Dundee. Pumpy Breaks, kid. That man's a national treasure. <laughs> I just wanted to throw another shrimp on you, Bobby. That shit ain't funny. Hey, fellas, it's hot. We're tired. It stinks. I'm fucking with you, Kangaroo Jack. I'm sorry, a dingo ate your baby. You know that's a true story. <laughs> Lady lost a kid. You about to cross some fucking lines. Guys, relax. You stop. know what? Fuck that, man. I'm sick of this koala-hugging nigga. Tell him he's... For 400 years. That worked. It's kept us down. What the fuck? It took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Now we up in the big leagues. Getting out turn to bed. Long as we live, it's you and me, baby. That's the theme song for the Jeffersons. You really need help. And just because the theme song don't make it not true. <laughs> it's so I, good. I can't. I, I, 
It's just undeniable. It, it is, is undeniably funny. It absolutely is. And I mean, Robert Downey Jr. did definitely express like reservations with it. And they actually screened the film for members of the NAACP. And they were like, we cool. We're cool with it. This is fine. Like, we totally get what you're I doing hope so. here. Just, we're okay. I feel like this That's is one of those things I'm going to get thrown under the bus for in the comments, despite sometimes things you guys say. It's just going to come to me. It always does. Yeah. Look, I, I understand. Look, we're a bunch of white people telling yeah. black people not to be offended. I'm and not. If, if you're offended, I, I hope you can see it in context and, and not just see it as, you know, birth of a nation kinds of blackface <laughs> also too because that wasn't the intent i think intent is important context yeah. is important like i don't truly clearly believe don't use that twitter the, <laughs> no i do not for this reason um so i mean i truly don't believe that the filmmakers were really trying to do anything offensive besides make a point i mean obviously robert downey jr is supposed to be daniel day lewis <laughs> you know i mean i think that we can all agree uh, I, yes, yes. That's who he's supposed to be. Yeah. And this was before Abraham Lincoln, by the way, <laughs> where he's like walking around town in a stovepipe hat. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like, let's shed a tiny bit of a tear for Robert Downey Jr. for having to be on this set in the jungle of Hawaii like that mm. all day. To have to show up early to get in blackface every day. He's no, so I, leaving awful. the set would be very difficult. Yes. I think he's a national treasure. Oh, what if treasure. you left some of it on? You, oh, Jesus! Oh, just be a disaster. Yeah, no, I do. I have to recommend this commentary. Besides RDJ mm-hmm. just killing it in character, um, the cinematography I have to mention is Dude. by John Tall, who's one of the best there is. He did the Thin Red Line. He won an Oscar for it. And Ben Stiller talks a lot about like that's why the movie looks so good, and he wanted to hire him because he made this jungle. In action movie, and they couldn't believe they got him, and and all that stuff. And it's like there are that, some shots in this film that happy. that is on par with a like prestige Vietnam movie. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. No, it it looks gorgeous, and yeah. I think that's that's part of it. Like the jungle feels very jungly. Mm-hmm. And yes, all Hawaii. <laughs> it's all Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Most times you see a jungle, it's Hawaii or maybe Philippines. Yeah, yeah. but I can't. I don't know. I, I had such a blast with this. I, I to, bought it. I'm going to watch it again. I have to also bring up a tiny joke mm. that I just love so much. So in the beginning, the like trailer for Robert Downey Jr.'s movie where he's like the monk and they're <laughs> falling in love with another monk. Like it's Tobey Maguire is the other monk, and I love that. Like. Wonder Boys, they're in Wonder Boys together, which right. is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. Is, seduces Tobey Maguire in that movie, and they sleep together. And so it's like, that could be a sequel, oh, and I so love it. <laughs> I love Wonder Boys. The now. last thing I'll ever see with Tobey Maguire in it. Mark my words. Ooh, <laughs> marking them now. Yeah, no interest in that guy. Not after Molly's game. Can't believe he did that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what? This, this movie is... So much fun. Give it a watch. Yep. Uh, it's worth rewatching if you remembered it being funny. Yeah. Um, God damn, is it good. Um, really do like it. And that's it for television. Do I have to go into television? Oh, fuck. I thought we were done. Oh, wait, it's really stupid and bad. Ah, uh, okay. Television for 2008, August 10th to the 16th. August 11th, The Mole concludes on ABC. It's, <laughs> a, it's a reality show with like liter- like literally... Like clue, and the producers name one person who's the mole who has to like subvert everybody's goal in this this money mm-hmm. pot. Uh, it, it is it literally seems like a fucking ten dollar card game hmm. manifested in a reality show, uh, and that is fine. It concludes, but it was brought back for one more season after being canceled four years ago. So good on you, mole. 
Even shittier August 15th, Outsiders in debuts on the Country Music Channel, which I'm sure oh, they boy. want me to pronounce CMT, but I'm not gonna. It's a reality show about celebs opening a bed and breakfast starring Maureen McCormick, Bobby Brown, and Carney Wilson. Wow. A spinoff okay. of the reality show Gone Country. And that's all I have to say about that at all. Um, video <laughs> games. Video games of 2008. Um, August 10th to the uh, 16th. Bongayo Spirits. Madden 09. Who could forget? Um, but remember how I brought up Bionic Commando just two episodes ago? Yes. It's resurrected in the rather amazing Bionic Commando rearmed. Not to be confused with the Rad Spencer full 3D version. It's just a 2D remake of the original. And the original was really, 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 really hard. And this one is just like, it's fair. And it's huge. And the music is great. And I would absolutely recommend, because of all the things that got like a 2D remake, this 2D remake got a sequel because of how well it was received. Hmm. It's Bionic Commando is rearmed is really, really great. And it holds up really well, despite being, Jesus, a 10-year-old throwback at this point. <laughs> oh, we live in weird times. But that is it for the games uh, of 2008. And that is it for us, people. We got a brand new uh, comment show uh, over on our Patreon, yeah. patreon.com slash laser time. We do appreciate all of our patrons for helping us out, helping us live, eat, love, watch all this stuff, keeping our equipment up to date. Uh, and yeah, well, please leave your feedback either in the comments of 302010.net underneath this episode, uh, 302010 podcast, that's the numbers and the word podcast, or on the Laser Time Community Facebook group. It's a really fun group of folks. It's so uh, you great. cannot go wrong. It To me, no shit. It seems how the, it's how I want the internet, the whole internet Me to too. be. Me too. Agreed. So join that community. And if you're making comments about 302010 on there, please tag it or mention 302010. 30, 30, 30, <laughs> oh, why have we not got that insult? You guys. More like turdy <laughs> number 10. I'm sure. More like turdy number two. <laughs> okay. All right. Just try to tag it in a way that I can search for it on the Facebook so I can make sure I get all of your awesome, insightful, beautiful yeah. comments. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And if you like sharks, baby, uh, 302010 is ignoring Shark Week at the Laser Time. The Laser Time Shark Party. Uh, yeah. We have a show all about sharks in honor of our ex- weird excitement for the Meg. Yeah, I don't know why we're so excited, oh, but God. here we are. Dispelling some shark myths as well as uh, singing the praises of Jaws and uh, looking at some other Jaws wannabes. Mm-hmm. Seeing which ones makes the cut. We have a commentary for Deep Blue Sea. That was so fun. Oh, no. It was a ton of fun. It was like one of the most fun things I've done. And uh, I believe Vigigame Apo- Apocalypse this week will have a shark-themed episode as well. Uh, Jesus, thank you very much. <laughs> Any more plugs, dying? I don't know. I think that's about it. Yeah, at... 302010 podcast on Twitter. Uh, so I've been teasing stuff that's coming up. Um, good job for all the people who got the Mac and Me clip. Obviously, I had to show the kid in the wheelchair. <laughs> the clip. Oh, Paul Rudd's coming it's... on the show. <laughs> oh, it's one of the best clips ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, uh, should we great. talk about births and deaths? Let's get let's get a death on. Okay, so deaths this week. Oh, man, we had some bad ones. So in 1988, just in this week, we lost Enzo Ferrari. He was 90. Wow. Yeah, Ferrari is a guy, not just a car. Okay. <laughs> mm. Oh, he died of old age. That means yeah. he didn't like his product. I know. He didn't get run over. Mm. Um, Anne Ramsey was only 59. That's Mama Fratelli from the Goonies, everybody. <laughs> or Mama from Throw Mama from the Train. That woman was 59 years old? She was. Oh my God, she seemed yeah. she seemed decades older than that. Holy I shit. know. 
And uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, the painter, he was only 27. No. Um, drugs are bad. And then in 2008, <laughs> yep, like I said last week, a day after Bernie Mac, we lost Isaac Hayes. He was 65. Jesus. Also pretty young. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I assumed Isaac Hayes was older because he's just been around since yeah. like way before I was born. But that's not very old. Isaac yeah. Hayes rules. <sighs> oh, and you said they, they, were, they were also both in a movie together that's mm-hmm. released posthumously. Yeah. yeah. They were in. in a movie together and then they die within a day of each other. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, and Isaac Hayes' last words were, Bernie Mac yet lives. <laughs> oh, no. History oh, no. joke, bitches. Oh, no. I don't get it, but we have to get into the birthdays. Oh, birthday is birthday quiz. Oh, my I God. For birthday quiz. All right, I, now I'm I, just I, warming up for trivia tonight. All right, I am so excited because we have birthday buddies. Two people born the exact same day, exact same year. They are turning 60, and one of them we talked about extensively in this episode. <gasps> Robert Downey Jr. They're two ladies. I'll start with that. Okay. Two ladies. Mm. <laughs> Musical jokes. It's from Cabaret. Look it up. Did not get it. I don't. Born August 16th, 1958. Happy 60th birthday to this person who was born in New York City. Her movies include Malcolm X, Panther, Black Panther. Angela Bassett. Thank Jesus you. Jesus Christ. Ugh. I never get the ladies. <laughs> so true. Yeah, in general. Yeah, just in general. <laughs> in general. It's a general life statement. But there's another birthday buddy. But another birthday buddy, so you can come in for the steal. Okay. August 16th, 1958, happy 60th birthday to someone born in Bay City, Michigan, the best-selling solo female artist of all time. Whitney Houston? Nope. Mariah Carey. Uh, she holds the records for most number ones oh. in all combined Billboard charts. <laughs> Dolly Parton, um, no, she's no nope. older. Uh, she has only released 13 studio albums since 1983. Ooh. And I will tell them to you in reverse order. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Rebel Heart. Oh. M- MDNA. Yep. You got Heart this, man. Madonna. Yeah. Okay. Yay! Did you, you just give it. it to me? I did. I this fully did. This does not count. <laughs> This does not count. I needed to boost your self esteem before you go to trivia. I don't need that shit. <laughs> Aww, I don't need that's sweet. Penny. I'm looking out for him. I don't man. need your charity, except for you, patrons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, this show is executive produced by Caleb. He knows who he is. Hi, Caleb. And many other fine folks at patreon.com slash laser time that support the entire laser time network. We are 95% supported by listeners just like you. Go get started for the price of a cup of coffee and get rewarded with a bunch of other free shows and commentaries. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll take you out of 2008 with Get Back by Ludacris from the end of Tropic Thunder. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Why you all in my ear talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear? Get back, motherfucker. You don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker. You don't know me like that. I ain't playing around, make one box move, I take it down Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that so, so, so come on, come on, don't Get swung on, swung on It's the knick-knack, paddy-whack, steel-riding, Cadillacs Family off the street, made my homies put the baggies back